Hi, this is Jen Schwartz. Welcome to Think Fit, Be Fit, Effective Thinking for Potent Exercise. Welcome to Think Fit, Be Fit. Today, I am discussing the warm-up, the go-to first thing we do in exercise. We all know that we have to spend time on a warm-up when is it necessary and do we how do we make our warm-ups so effective that we make a positive impact on our muscle soreness, overall goals and overall satisfaction. After all, exercise has to feel good and to make this a habit of longevity and that can start in your warm-up. Today, I'm coming to you from Alexandria, Virginia, with my Rosé and producer Ted. And it's almost summer here. It hasn't quite gotten there yet. But, um, you know, it just makes me think, aren't we already warm <laughs> before we exercise? So, you know, is is a warm-up uh, necessary? Uh, I... and. The short answer to that is sometimes it is absolutely necessary and sometimes you can build in a an, an intelligent load progressive uh, or a load progression into the overall workout where so there's not, uh, you know, you're going from start to finish seamlessly rather than uh, warming up and jumping around mindlessly and then starting a uh, workout. So when is a warm-up necessary? And I would say that it's necessary if you are overcoming chronic injury or pain, if you're about to start a sport, if your exercise is sport for that day, then Warm-ups are crucial. They are not so not such a huge necessity if you're you know you're just short on time and you're just getting in a quick routine for joint managers or uh, training a very specific body part. So if you're just, working on the shoulders or the arms, you might not absolutely need a warm-up. But what you can use in, in that case is a progressive load so that you're not surprising your muscles. So that goes back to when is, when is this actually necessary? I rambled a little bit there, but you know, just think of your warm-up as a transition. So I touched on this in two podcasts, one with The Lab of Us with Robin, and she, we were using this word transition from, you know, sitting at your desk to the gym. You have to make a, a, a transition and not only using gas to get there and hydrating, but you have to transition your mind and transition your focus to what you're about to do. So that is really the key to a warm-up. What are you actually trying to do? What's, what, why are you there? Why are you at the gym? 
And then the uh, I also talked about uh, the the different pieces of an exercise continuum, which if you did not listen, it is all about compartmentalizing what your workout actually is. So the workout can be running, but that's a sport. Or your workout can be therapeutic, which is all about uh, aiming at a specific tissue or a joint or an injury. Or it's therapeutic for your mind or your emotional state. And then there's all the stuff in the middle, which is about the quality of the workout. So match your intention for the day, for the workout, to the warm-up. And then it um, then it goes into in my head where I go is let's just, the only thing that's unnecessary is the mindless warm-up. So random jumping jacks when you're about to um, work on your squat or your deadlift doesn't really make sense, but is it going to kill your workout? Probably not. However, the what you can do is be optimistic and advantageous about your warm-up, meaning set yourself up for success with it. And the when it goes towards the sport end of things, when we talk about uh, participating in a sport or external performance focused workouts, which would be high intensity training, any training where you're focused on your heart rate, training where you're, um, where you're, you've got a external goal in mind, meaning you're trying to hit numbers. So in CrossFit, there's a term called AMRAP, which is as many reps as possible, which means you're not, that is an external performance goal. So the goal for warming up then is honestly just preventing injury <laughs> because you know you're going to push hard, even redline, or sacrifice your body for a goal, uh, not a fitness goal, but like a team goal. Uh, the goal is preventing injury. And when the goal is preventing injury, you the the best way to think about that is can I get my muscles to produce enough force to where they are not surprised by something? So injuries occur when one thing, when there's a deceleration or a stop and it's too sudden for your body to adjust or adapt or compensate. And some of these things, especially when we're talking about sports, are unavoidable meaning you're in that game and if you are at an unlucky position or you just get beat straight up, there is a high probability that you could get hurt. So the more you prepare the body to meet those forces, the external forces and the surprising forces of the sport, the better off you're gonna be. For example, 
when you would, let's say, external performance exercise would be spinning. So when you're getting ready for a spin class, a good way to not shock your body and prevent injury would be to spend a few minutes on the bike before class starts, taking it really easy. Then maybe getting off the bike, doing some joint positions that could help your hamstrings and your quads and your core muscles develop more force or produce more during the exercise uh, would be a smart way to warm up. And we're matching the goal and the warm up together using the exercise continuum that I discussed in a previous podcast. So definitely get on that uh, Lab of You episode two if you haven't already. Um, so, how do we make our warm ups so effective that they have a positive impact on how we feel after our workout, our overall goals, and overall satisfaction? How we feel after our workout. First and foremost, the human body is an adapting machine. The warm up is a time to take advantage of this capacity. To, the adapting machine responds quickly. So you can pl- you can plug into that if you know how to. And that's where think fit be fit comes in because we're talking about some functional anatomy and physiology so that you can test these things on yourself. The um you know testing on yourself is we can call that self-experimentation. And in in my mind, and then other experts like Tim Ferriss and Gary Wolf believe that self-experimentation is the key to radical self-improvement. Because our minds and our body, mind and body are so tuned in and designed to learn and move, Self-improvement is possible at every workout and taking advantage of that in the warm-up can be extremely advantageous to the growth that you desire. And um, so always keep that in mind. Human body is designed to move and feel well. A quality warm-up can match that and the your muscle soreness and how you feel afterwards can dictate how well you did that so this isn't the so what i'm i'm about to get to is three ways that you can begin exercise and have the end in mind that you don't have to hurt after your exercise that you can prevent injury and plug in or tune in to the body's capacity to move and feel really well. You know, um, it's, and so it's funny that we're gonna transition to the top, my top three ways to begin exercise. But it's funny that, you know, everyone knows that warming up is a good idea 
but they don't know how to make it not mindless. So let's, you know, touch on that a little bit that it doesn't matter how beautiful you think your workout program is it uh, or how good the theory is. It doesn't matter if it doesn't agree with your body. So just because a magazine had told you this workout was going to make you look a certain way, if your body doesn't agree to that, uh, you can't, you can basically throw that out the window. It's trash. The way that you can find that out is in the warm up. So one of the key things to your warm up should be going through a few of the motions that you want to do in your workout before you start. So that would be checking the range of motion that you have. That would be looking for, I would call it the safe zone of working out. So if your right shoulder doesn't rotate or go overhead as much as your other shoulder, then you have to define that in a zone or a safe area to work in. Now, that, uh, that concept works really well on the type of exercise called joint managers and positional strength training because you are, you're doing that exercise with the goal in mind of I want to improve my joint function. Now, if your joint function is off, meaning you have pain, tightness, and soreness, you really have to focus in your workouts. Sometimes that doesn't mean you don't work out. Sometimes it means, oh, I need to spend 20 or 30 minutes getting rid of this tightness. And it actually doesn't take that long if you do it correctly. So let's back up and say 10 minutes getting rid of this soreness and this um, tightness or this old uh, discomfort or pain that you might have. And uh, then taking on the exercise so that it feels good and that you're, you're ensuring your gains that you want. Like the bigger picture, which is you might want to be healthy. You might want to look good for your loved one. You might want to do better at sports uh, at some point in the future or the next day. Either way, you have to have that end in mind that the exercise should feel good and that our bodies are designed to move and feel optimal. What I'm getting to is that I've got these new terms and these new ways to think about warming up. One type of warm-up would be called pre-gaming. And pre-gaming is a great word because if you're my age, which is 36, uh, you are an old millennial. And pre-gaming really means like getting really excited, a little drunk, and making sure that you're going to have fun and enjoy yourself at, you know, after going into a bar or a club or a concert or a game. 
Now, when it comes to exercise, pre-gaming should be for sporting type of exercise or external performance type of ex- focused exercise like uh, high intensity that I mentioned before or CrossFit where you're just counting numbers. And that means you're going through the motions before you do them and maybe even challenging them a little bit and working up to game speed. So pre-gaming is really just getting up to game speed and making sure your muscles can meet the forces of the sport or exercise that you're trying to do and that there are no surprises. So back to my analogy of pre-gaming with my friends in my 20s, that means we were discussing logistics like, do you have my pager number? Because that's how old I am. And uh, do you have, do you know where this guy lives in case I end up at his house later and you can bring me shoes so that I don't have a walk of shame or a walk of pride. I don't, whatever you want to call it. Anyways, so <laughs> the the main thing is we're, 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 we're setting ourselves up for success. So you got to have those same type of conversations in your pre-gaming for exercise. So when I'm, when I'm a soccer coach, um, my goal is to get these players to work up to game speed mentally and physically and together, right? Cause it's a team sport. So we all have to can find the continuous improvement and find our progression at the same time, right? We all want to peak at the same time. Same with spin class. You want to peak when the instructor is uh, doing sprints or your hills because that's where you're going to get a lot of benefit. And yeah, so matching that up and getting it progressive. So the second... Um, name for warming up that I love is a the totally opposite, which is movement pathways. And this is something that would be in your therapeutic exercise. And it's something I have to work with many of my clients who are overcoming chronic injury. So we have to get their nervous system to respond to a stimulus. So sometimes that would uh, be very uh, rhythmic movements, uh, such as ankle flexing back and forth. Uh, Sometimes it's really light isometrics. Sometimes it's um, harder isometrics, more difficult and closer to maximal effort. And sometimes it's positional strength training but that, that is usually individually defined to the specific tissue thresholds that they might have or that they, that they don't have. So you're increasing muscular participation before, and you're also, the movement pathway way of warming up is also a way to convince your nervous system that it's okay to work out. You're building up a safety context for the workout because there are people out there where working out just by itself 
is dangerous and their body responds negatively to working out. So a lot of the times that person would be in a therapeutic exercise regimen for weeks at a time and then they build up to just spending 30 minutes of a time in therapeutic exercise and movement pathways and then they can challenge themselves and really what this goes back to is exercise should feel good and so we have to set our body up for that in the beginning so far we ha- so far we have pre-gaming movement pathways and our the last one that i'm introducing is called priming so this is a cool concept because it um how do i explain this it it's it's fun uh you know, it makes the body, it makes the muscles more adaptable. And adaptability is the true injury prevention strategy. The more adaptable you are, the more calm your nervous system is, the more you can improve and stay far away from injury. So what does that look like? It's, it's, it is waking up the muscle. It is usually positional strength training, isometric based, or there is a phenomena, I'll say, because it's not fully explainable and it seems spontaneous in the scientific world. Uh, a, a, it's called PAP, post-activation potentiation. Potentiation is a great word. (laughs) So we're getting the muscles to fire in what, what is available to them. So meaning it creates explosive movements. It is the type of exercise that can be fun and have a lot of gains. So a post-activation potentiation can follow a proper priming warm-up. I am going to link to what PAP is and why you want it in your workouts because it needs another podcast, number one. And two, I will get off track if I start talking about it. So just, you can get to the show notes, hit that link, or get on my newsletter because it's something I do talk about often. And because it's something, you know, I also try to elicit in myself and clients Again, because it is the ultimate uh, ultimate goal for injury prevention and longevity in the gym, which is adaptability. If Again, back to the why of warm-ups, which is getting your muscles to produce more force to be ready and not be shocked 
but it's also the fine tuning part of it as well. Now, the top three ways to begin with to begin exercise, and this is funny because they all have a similar theme, which is isometric. Now, isometrics are, uh, they elicit a different type of um, response from the nervous and the muscle system than other types of exercise. Now, that, that goes back to the, one of the main pieces of this podcast and my philosophies, which is the muscle system is vast and when you tap into it and understand it a little more, you're gonna get more out of your exercise. So isometrics are a really great way to build that type of confidence in your exercise and build the confidence that you know that the exercise you're doing is going to get what you want, which is results, effectiveness, injury prevention, feeling better, moving better, being more flexible, and not feeling like a piece of crap all the time, right? Um, so the first type of isometric that you can use uh, in would be you can use it strategically to build and repair bone and heal tendons. All of this is research-backed. I'm happy to provide the references. And... If I know you are reading the show notes, so let me know if you want them and if you read the show notes because I uh, would love for everyone to indulge in research. Um, so, and I say that as a way to begin exercise on a macro level and a micro level. So on your macro level of beginning exercise, you um, could be coming from a place where you need to heal and isometrics can do that. They can do it better than dynamic exercise, meaning a lot of movement uh, or like, for example, to address some knee issues, you might want to strengthen the quadricep muscles, which is the front of your leg. Now, the front of your leg can get challenged or you can do an exercise for those muscles in a lunge, in a leg extension, in a squat. There's so many opportunities in so many ways. Now, a dynamic movement would be uh, walking lunges. So you're moving a lot of pieces, but you're mainly challenging the quadriceps. Or you can do an isometric-based workout and guarantee that you are focusing on those tissues or those muscles with a leg extension machine or just simply just a bar. You can just push against your uh, the knee going towards the ceiling or the sky and that will, the, the quadriceps have to push back. So that would be an isometric for the quadriceps. And they have been proven time and time again to be safe, heal tendons, build bone, repair bone. So if you have osteoporosis, uh, osteoporosis, osteoarthritis, like I do, or if you have a, um, a surgery that you had six months ago and you're still not quite recovered from it, this 
is the starting point, micro and macro, big picture and little picture. The second way to begin exercise with isometrics is um, generating tension through a range of motion. So this would be positional strength training. So that would be, let's say we wanna train squats. And so that would mean you would do a squat hold at the bottom, at the middle of the motion, and at the top of the motion. There is separate benefits for each of those, but that is a way. So you're generating tension through a range of motion. That is a great way to warm up for a heavy set. And then the third way is doing of two or three different types of isometrics in one set. And that is some really cool stuff. I I, I was referring to this in a former podcast on lab of you about muscle contractions and the perfect neurophysiology scenario is, you know, really um, about eliciting all the different types of muscle contractions. So you can do that in an isometric fashion, meaning I've got a great one for the hip and the core where I attach a band to the inside of the leg and by having the band and holding the band tight, you're challenging either internal or external rotation of the hip and then if you add some movement into there like um, hip extension and hip flexion, meaning like almost like a leg press motion and I have a, again, I have a video for this. I give it to so many people for exercise prescription because it isometrically and eccentrically and concentrically challenges the hips, the quads, and uh, some muscles above the hip in the core, meaning the internal or external obliques. It is the shiz, and I highly recommend this type of, uh, I guess, exercise to so many different types of people that I'm getting close to saying it would be good for everyone. So that is a really hard and big, bold statement for me to come to because I am so focused on individualized exercise and the minutia of my clients' motions and taking responsibility for how much control they have in their motion and how good their exercise is. So for me to say something is almost good for everyone is a big deal because I think about this stuff a lot. So what I will leave you with is that um, I found this great quote, adaptability prevents injury and rigidity is the opposite of adaptability. And that's from Pain Science, Paul Ingram. I'll link to his injury prevention article. He spends a lot of time on them. So be adaptable in your mind, be adaptable in your attitude, your mindset, your muscles, and good things will come in your workouts. And that's it for today. I just got a text when I was doing this podcast that one of my former bosses, her name is Katie, shout out to Fit One in Old Town. Um, she listened to my podcast, nice work, got lots of emojis on that one. So 
really, that made me happy. So I hope to hear from you too and have a strong and adaptable day. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and comment, like, dislike, just give me some feedback on Facebook and Instagram at impact underscore your underscore fitness.